be clear. We'll gladly search for one lost, over 99 found, every time. Around here, we're more interested in growing big people than we are in growing a big church. Around here, we're more interested in helping you discover a life of worship than we are in furthering a musical genre. And finally, around here, we're more interested in walking through life together than we are in watching each other from a safe distance. And we're very interested in showing you how this works. Friends, we are a community that is guided by these biblical values. They will guide every decision we make, every relationship we nurture, and every plan we conceive. This is the road we're choosing to travel, and you are invited to take the journey with us, because we'd love it if you joined us. Morning. There we are. Let's all stand and start to worship Jesus. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. Oh, once you choose it. You can't lose it There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing Gonna steal my joy I got a ghost fire singing in my soul I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful I've got a heart overflowing Cause I've been restored There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy In the valleys that I wander Turn to mountains that I can't climb Oh, you are with me, never leave me There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy I got no choice, singing in my soul Singing in my soul, I've got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I've got a noble choir singing in my soul. I've got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing, I've been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Oh, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. 
steal my joy. Amen. Ah, oh, that's awesome. We got a lot of reason to be joyful, don't we? That's right. We sure do. Mary, so good to see you. Amen. Love you. Love it. There's one reason we got joy right there. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's pray together. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit here this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being here, for waiting for your kids to walk in the door. Lord, you always welcome us home. You always love to see our faces, and I'm so grateful for that. You are a good God. You are mighty. You are holy. And we ask your spirit to feel welcome here. You are welcome to come into this place and do what you want. We ask you to just cover it right now with protection. I just pray, Lord, that you will receive these offerings that are coming from our hearts and our mouths. And Lord, I just pray that you will be glorified by them and honored by them and that you will come into this place and just enjoy your children singing to you. We love you, Lord. You are welcome here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right. Every time I tried to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the way, in the search, in the healing and the hurt Like the blessing buried in the broken Every moment of where I've been or where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. For the man who needs amazing kindness, for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. Perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus in the way, in the search, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment. Love 
know we can fall back and know he is always there always there
you a new song this morning. You probably know it. It's pretty familiar, I think, for most. It's a Lauren Daigle song called You Say. I don't know if you guys have read these lyrics. Eric, do you mind putting up that first verse for me? How many of you have have fought with this? I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Have you been told you're not enough? I've been told I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me that I'll never measure up. That is not how he sees you. But you know what he says? So he says, you say, we're talking about about Jesus, about our Father. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. And you say I'm strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short and when I don't belong oh you say I am yours isn't that awesome I think sometimes we just hear the music and listen to the the melody or the drums or whatever our ear turns kind of tunes into and we miss some of those lyrics and how God speaks through his children and he'll give them a song and, and then when you catch those lyrics you're like This is what you say. Nothing trumps what your word says about me. And that's what he thinks of you. That's how he loves you. It's pretty awesome. So I want you to know, this is what he says about you. This is what he thinks about you. He loves you so much. And he is just such a loving father to give us this. So that we know we can count on him. We can go to his word we can find out exactly what he thinks when we're feeling kind of low or even when we're feeling good 
because then we can go and tell other people about him too because the world needs Jesus so much.
for how you see us as your kids. How awesome that you get to see through all of it down to the deep bottom of our heart. And you see the ugly stuff, but you know the potential. And you're willing to work with us. Lord, you see our value. You see what it is that you created for your glory. Father, bring it forth in us. Make us moldable. Let us sit up on that potter's wheel and let you just take away the pieces that just don't matter. And Lord, make us into something that is just an image of you. I pray that when you continuously refine us, that we'll know it's because you see that final product. Lord, we love you. I pray this morning, I praise this morning for Mary being here, Jesus. Thank you so much for her healing. I pray for her recovery. Lord, thank you for this church body. I pray for any person in here that's hurting or doubting. Lord, touch them. Let them know you're here. Let them know you care. Let them know that you, that they belong to you. That when you created them, it was because you wanted to have joy that only they could bring to you. Lord, we love you. I pray for Pastor Greg this morning as he's getting ready to bring us your word. Lord, I pray that you will just anoint him, pour through him. Surround this place and protect it while he's bringing your word. Let our minds and our hearts focus on you. Let us receive it. Jesus, change us where we need to be changed because we always need something to be changed. But Lord, fill us up with you when you change it. Lord, I thank you for each person here and I pray that you'll bless them. More than that, I pray that they will sense you right with them this morning. And we love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your precious name. Amen. shoe boxes at every Christmas for children around the world. Uh, we have the boxes out in the hallway. Pick up a box or two or three or however many you want to fill. Uh, inside the box is an instruction booklet uh, that tells you what you can put in the box or what you can't put in the box. Also, there is uh, an envelope for the shipping fee. The shipping fee is $9. When you return the fill box, bring it back to church by November 8th and bring the shipping fee in the envelope and put it in the basket here on the table. So if you don't know where that table is, it's right down the hall to your left as you leave the uh, worship center. You can see it right on the left there, and Cindy's organized it. And um, That is a huge, wonderful part of being the hands and feet of Jesus. So I encourage you, if you haven't done it before, do it. It's awesome. It's so great. Our kids love doing it. We love doing it every year. It's awesome. So Wanted to put my own plug in on that. Um, okay, so here's a few. Um, we have a training slide that should be up for Pastor Greg. He's having a training on November 7th, and that will be from 9.30 to 11.30. And um, I'm sure Eric will get that up for us here shortly. Also wanted to remind you that these new cafe mugs are out at the cafe. You guys can purchase them, and I think they're $12. And then we also want to encourage you to purchase an extra one to put into a welcome bag so that a visitor can get a hold of them. So they're really nice. I really like them. And this one was just sitting up here. So I'm thinking, 
No, I'll put it back there. So, <laughs> and then um, let's see here. We also have baptisms coming up on the 18th of October. If you guys have any inkling to get baptized, I encourage you to to don't, to dive in. Get it? Oh, come on. <laughs> but really, it's uh, it's such an amazing experience, and it's just such a wonderful thing to be able to to step into that water and know Jesus. I'm yours, and I'm telling the world, and it's awesome. So we want to encourage you to do that. You can see Scott or me or Pastor Matt about that to set it up. And then uh, we have a new members class that started. Is it too late to join that this time around? You still can join it this um, today. It starts at 4.30, and it goes for about an hour and a half or so. And then Trunk or Treat is coming on October 30th. And we are doing it different this year. We are going to have the classic cars, and we're going to have um, the decorated cars with the trunks to trick-or-treat in. Then we're also going to have a drive-in movie, and you'll be able to tune in the movie onto your radio in your car, and it's going to show on the building, and it's a huge uh, movie. And, and Scott and Jeff tested it out, and it looks awesome. So we encourage you to come. The movie starts at 730 on the 30th. So we're looking forward to seeing everybody there. Remember, it's not on the 31st. It's on the 30th, which is a Friday. And then the last thing, we have a worship team kickoff tomorrow night, 6.30, here in the worship center. If you are interested in joining the worship team, if you want to know about the worship team, if you're part of the worship team, anything to do with that, please come. We would love to have you here. We really would love to um, encourage you. We would like to see you come and, and give of your gifts, or there's a lot of areas to serve in that uh, you just would not even really understand until you come. So we encourage you to be here tomorrow night, and then hopefully we'll see you all there. So, And then one last reminder, the offering plates are on the back tables. There's four plates, back tables as you leave. We encourage you to make sure you give your offering there, and I think that is good. So Pastor Greg. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not. We have a baby dedication. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Glad you're with us. Um, it is neat to be able to do a baby dedication again. And I want to ask uh, Morgan and Shiloh to come on up. And uh, we're going to begin together. And this is Archer Miles, and uh, he is, uh, he's looking great. So, well, I want to start with a word of Scripture before we begin. And the word is, comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. And it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them, and he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord, for this uh, sacred and beautiful moment where we can dedicate Archer to you. I thank you, God, for the hearts of his mom and dad, and I pray, Lord, that you will continue to just bless them as a family, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start with giving some roses to you, mom and dad. <laughs> 
And uh, the first rose, it's a red rose, and it's for you, Shiloh. And uh, it's for you to remember this day. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> it's symbolic of Christ's blood. And that blood that should be reigning over your home should remind you to protect and defend and to honor the home in which Archer is growing up in. Let nothing enter that home that's going to destroy the home. And also, let nothing enter the home that will injure the soul of Archer and crowd out the Lord Jesus in his life. And I also have a white rose. And it is for you, Morgan. And this white rose... It symbolizes purity of heart and purity of purpose. And it also symbolizes the efforts which you will make as you prepare and have a home and make the home in which Archer will grow up in. Uh, If your child grows up to know Christ as his Savior, it will be in part because you both have shared Jesus with him and shared the, the stories and the understandings of Christ's love. It is from you, Morgan, the object of his affection, that the sense of awe and reverence will be awakened in his little soul. Uh, From the goodness of your eyes comes the idea that there is a God. From the gentleness of your voice comes the understanding that God is love. And you will be the one who he looks to as he is sensing uh, also the, the nurture of God as well. For Archer, I want to give to, Mor- to Morgan or to Shiloh to hold. There you go. And uh, this is for him. It's a pink rose, the blending of the two. <laughs> and uh, it's, it represents his innocence. It represents his purity of soul. It also represents uh, the fact that he uh, is innocent in the eyes of God until the age of accountability. And at that point, uh, my prayer is that when he reaches that age of accountability, that because he has seen Jesus so well in you two, uh, as well as through this church body, that he will choose to give his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he will choose to follow him all the days of his life. So for Shiloh and Morgan, I want to tell you I'm proud of you for doing this. And uh, for dedicating your child to the Lord. For saying, you know what, we are going to take a stand. For Shiloh, for you saying, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And my son is going to be raised in that way. I want to remind you to watch over his education, make sure that he is not led astray there, watch over his, uh, his walk, and always seek to lead him to the Lord as well as to the church, as well as to scripture, and raise him up to have a heart just like Jesus. If you will do this, and if you will commit yourself to this, I would like to ask that you would respond, we will. Now, church, I want to speak to you, and I want to let you know that it's very possible that you could be Archer's, oh, maybe his nursery worker there and teacher, or maybe you're someone who's just going to be touching his life uh, as he walks these halls and comes to church. Uh, Would you endeavor with all that is within you to help raise this little one, to help encourage mom and dad and support them as they raise him? Would you commit to love him for Jesus Christ? as his church today? If so, answer, we will. Very good. All right.
He is a beautiful boy, born August 25th, 2020. I thought, it's very likely that this little guy I'm holding in my arms, he might see the next century. (laughs) uh, Well, it is a blessing to be able to dedicate him. Let's pray together over Archer. Lord, today we just thank you, God, for this life, for how you have brought him, Lord, into this family. I pray, God, for continued blessing and continued strength over Shiloh and Morgan, but right now we want to dedicate Archer. And we dedicate him, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, God, for all the promise and potential and plans and purposes you have for him all the days of his life. May he grow to be used mightily in the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray these things, and together we say, Amen. 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 Oh, beautiful boy. Let's give them a hand. Hey, And here's a gift of a Bible from our church to you. And thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate this. And it's been great. Well, it's a beautiful thing to be able to welcome a new one. Uh, It's also a great thing to be able, for me to be able to welcome Pastor Greg. He is going to be preaching for us today. And uh, I am thankful for all that he has done. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but he and Nancy are going to be moving next month. And so I had actually planned some of these things to be a little bit later, but he uh, threw this curve at me and I said, well, you need to start doing some more work. And I've been working him hard, trying to get every bit of money out of him that I can. And, and he's doing a great job. I tell you, I'm thankful for Pastor Greg's heart, for his years of serving in ministry, and for being such a good and supportive friend to me. But uh, I want to just uh, have you welcome him with a warm welcome this morning as he begins today. I must say that three years ago this month we moved here. Many of you don't know the circumstances. Our son and daughter-in-law asked us to come help us help them with the Henry, our grandson, while my daughter-in-law goes to school. And so we dropped everything. I resigned from the church. Um, we gave away most of our furniture, uh, moved some things to the farm in Illinois, and then came out here as quick as we could. And I will tell you that uh, when, when we came, we didn't know where we were going to go to church. Our kids were coming here. So we came with them. We fell in love with you as a people. And, and then you allowed uh, this, this southern guy to come, I'm from Kentucky by the way, to come and uh, be a part of your staff. And I have really appreciated that and have enjoyed it thoroughly. And I, I will tell you, you are, you are a great church. Uh, you have been in, inviting to us and, and uh, so, one of my favorite speakers through the years was Dr. S.M. Lockridge, and some of you have never heard that name, but you've heard his sermon, uh, the, the conclusion of his sermon. Uh, Dr. S.M. Lockridge has a sermon named Amen, and at the end of it, and I'm not going to quote it, he talks about my king. 
and he talks all the adjectives and all the ad, everything he talks about my king is a wonderful sermon. But he says a sermon must do four things for you. Number one, it must provoke your will, correct you. Number two, it must tan your hide, challenge you. How many of you had your, how have you been there? I hope to challenge you this morning. And, and number three, warm your heart, inspire you. I want to do that. And number four, stretch your mind, instruct you. That's where I've always landed. I, I heard the story of this little eaglet who fell into a chicken coop. <clears throat> I don't know if it's true or story or not, but it, 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 it's a great story. And he grew up thinking he was a chicken. He scratched in the chicken yard. He uh, was all day long looking for worms with the other chickens. And all he knew was the farm life and his chicken friends who adopted him. And one day a man was driving by and saw this beautiful bald eagle in his chicken coop and he thought, man, that is strange. And so he decided, he talked with the farmer and he decided to take the chicken, to, <laughs> who was really an eagle, decided to take him to the mountains and he took him on top of this mountain and uh, he saw the other eagles flying in the sky, and he hasn't used his wings much, but he stretched them out, and he tried, and he kind of failed a couple of times. And, and all of a sudden, he was inspired by the other ones he was seeing, and he stretched his wings more, and he began to fly. The eagle was the king of the sky, but all his life he was limited because he did not know who he was. I'm convinced that most people don't know who they are. I'm convinced I'm, that most people, I, I, I would say 98% of the people on this planet don't know what they're here for. And when we explore values, we are deciding what is at the core of who we are. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord doesn't see things the way we see them. People judge by outward experiences. By outward appearances. But the Lord looks at the heart. Think about this. We see each other when we come into this building. But we don't see what's inside. There's times that I know that when people come, they have, this, they, they have this smile on their face and they, they, they have this expression, but I know the people. As a pastor, when I was, I pastored 40 years, and I knew that they were going through a really hard time. But they didn't want anybody else to know about it. God knows what you're going through. God knows your heart. The journey to find who you are begins with finding Christ and receiving him. My friends, when you find Jesus, you begin the journey to know who you really are, who God made you to be. And I believe our core values change 
when we come to Jesus, he, he does, God doesn't just change our life. God is not interested in changing your life. He wants to transform your life from the inside out. It's not something from the outside that you, you think, well, I've got, if I go through this self-help book, I'm going to become this or this or this. God is more interested in changing you from the inside out. He does a good job of it. That's called sanctification, by the way. It's part of the process. And, and sometimes that process is a little difficult within our life, and sometimes it's a, it's a joyous experience. But when we look back and see how we've grown in him, wow. Your values come out of your beliefs. Uh, the proverb says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The beliefs are your convictions or principles that, that you know is true. And what we believe, what we believe really matters. Your long time deep beliefs develop into your values. Your long time deep beliefs develops into your values. When one serves, I, I want you to pay attention to this. When one serves Satan or serves the world or serves self, you reflect those values. And when we serve Jesus Christ, our values reflect him who we serve. And when, when behavior matches your values, you feel fulfilled. You, you just feel like everything is right within me. At least most things are right. And I will tell you that you feel more like yourself. When behavior does not match your values, when your behavior does not match your values, you feel like something is missing. You feel like there is something out of alignment. I, I will tell you when, when I'm, I, I've had many cars throughout my life and a couple of them, I, I had problems with alignment. And when, you're, when your car is out of alignment, when your tire is out of, tires are out of alignment, they're out of balance, and the whole system is out of alignment, you feel it in the steering wheel. You're driving along and your steering wheel is just, you know, it, you just feel it there. And I want to share with you when you're, when you are out of alignment, you feel it at the very core of your being when you're out of alignment with your values. Here's another analogy. If my behavior and values are not aligned, it's like the strings on a guitar out of tune. How many of you heard that? It sounds absolutely horrible. But when it, when it is in tune and it is played correctly, it has a beautiful sound. Now, I would tell you, not so much, even in tune, if I was playing it, it would still sound horrible. And, and at the end of this, I am not going to go like Pastor Matt and, and grab a guitar and start playing. You would, you would walk out of the building. But uh, are you in alignment with your values? Are you in tune 
with the music that you are living? Wow. And I just had something pop up. <laughs> but living your values keep you in alignment with who you are, and it ensures integrity. It ensures integrity. Proverbs 16.3, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Values are what is important to you, and values define who you are. Now, a mission, on the other hand, defines what you do. Jesus, when he looked at his disciples at one point, when, before he was ascended, he looked at his disciples and he gave them this mission. Make disciples. That's the mission that he gave us. He didn't, he didn't tell us how to do it. He just said, make disciples. My mission as a wording has changed through the years is guiding people to know and grow in a relationship with Jesus and one another. And my vision is to guide pastors and church leaders to grow in influence, overcome obstacles, celebrate milestones, and to make a difference in their calling. You see, you, you, you divide those things up, and I'll explain that further, but Jesus gave us the mission. And it's interesting, he did not say, stay and make disciples. He said, go and make disciples. Values define who you are. Mission defines what you do, make disciples. Vision directs you where you go, who you work with. And uh, Jesus, Jesus gave this vision. Go make disciples of all nations, of all ethnic groups. We have different ethnic groups even in our community here in Woodland Park. But the vision is the transformation of people's lives in the whole world. Strategy, strategy is how you're going to do it and who is going to be with you. But values, values also are like a compass. They help guide, uh, they help guide, they give direction and guidance. Roy Disney once said, when your values are clear to you, making decisions become easier. Here are some values that guide my life. I, I went through a process through my life to find out what my values are and finally came up to this point. Number one, integrity or alignment. And for a baby boomer to say that, that's saying a lot. Okay? And reputation is how other people see you. Image is how you see yourself. And, and character is how God sees you. And integrity is when all three of these line up together as one. And that's my goal. I found out my best speaking, my best training that I do is where I have lived it out before in my own life. Proverbs 10.9, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, 
but he who, walk, who makes his ways crooked will be found out. I prayed at the opening of the House of Representatives in Kentucky, or in Illinois several years ago. And I, in, in, the, in my prayer at the very end, I quoted that scripture verse. <laughs> I don't know how much it helped, but... Number two, my second value is people. It, it, it goes to the top of my, my task list, and I include that in family. My family is important to me. In John 3.16, God explains how much he values people. That's how much. Number three, my value significance. I... I define significance as adding value to people and that is making the difference in their lives. Number four is growth. I found out if I don't grow, nobody else grows, at least around me. And to guide people to grow in their relationship with Jesus, I must grow myself. Number five is discovery. I enjoy finding new ways to help develop people in training Mentoring and speaking, and number six, last, is eternity. It is my firm belief that in the end, God will have everything under control. Did you hear that? It is my firm belief. It doesn't matter what happens November 2nd. It is my firm belief that in the end, God will have everything under control. Despite humanity's fall, God's plan shall prevail. Values are also like a magnet. They attract like-minded people, and they dictate personal involvement. When people come to this church and they sit in the pew beside us the first time, they're not only checking us out, and they're checking out how we how we respond to each other, and, and how we accept them. You remember the word belonging? How we accept them. But they're also checking out your values. And if they feel that their va your values, our values is the same as theirs, they're going to stay. Or maybe if they feel that those values are something they want to aspire to themselves, they want to stay around because of that. So people come here with the question, do we have the same values? Now, what was the values of the early church, the first church in Jerusalem? If you turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and it'll be on the screen. And they counted and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all, they, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all uh, as everyone had need, anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. What a phrase. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, look at what they continued in. Look at what, as one one translation says, and what they devoted themselves to. And when you look at those phrases, you're finding out what their values are. So discovering Acts 2 core values. First, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? Basically, Jesus and the resurrection. But let me, let me share with you there and articles of belief that came from the, really from the apostles from that time period. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. I like that phrase. You should say amen to that. The third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence, he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit and the church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen and amen and amen. That's the apostles' teaching. Second, they devoted themselves to fellowship. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that made my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one in spirit and purpose. The word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. And it is, it is being in agreement with one another. It is a partnership. It is being united in purpose. It is serving alongside each other. Now, in, in, most, in most evangelical denominations, when we think of fellowship, what do we think of? Anybody? A potluck. <laughs> we think about eating. And, 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 and that's good. They, they, they did that. They broke bread together every day. But uh, koinonia is more than just eating together. It is serving together alongside each other for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And our fellowship with each other is based on our common fellowship with Jesus. In 1 John 1, 6 If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, wow. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. A powerful example of what koinonia looks like is in the New Testament. It's a one another phrases. Uh, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, accept one another, serve one another in love, be kind to one another. It's times, times we, 
you know, we, we, we need that remembrance. Be kind to one another. Admonish one another. Encourage one another. I love that one. And offer hospitality. But the sum, these sum up what true biblical koinonia or fellowship should look like. Number three, they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. I believe we do not have to meet life in our own strength. And we can meet the problems of life by bringing God along beside us in prayer. And we can help each other. And, and the way that we do that is to pray for one another. And I, I've shared this with people through the years. But you're out, you're, out in the, you're out in the foyer and people are coming in and out and somebody comes up to you and you ask them, how are you doing today? And they're honest with you. Most people are not. Amen? And, and they say, I'm, I'm really going through a hard time. Well, can I share what, what the, our response should be with that? Let me pray with you. And pray with them. I, I love it when I see people before church in conversation and all of a sudden somebody just breaks out and they pray with each other. I had a guy in a grocery store came up to me one time and he said, uh, uh, you don't know me, but you're, you're a pastor. I know that. And I, I was on the Chamber of Commerce board and I was known because of that. And he said, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really facing something tomorrow Will you pray for me sometime? And I said, let's pray right now. And he said, he looked at me and he said, you mean here in the grocery store? And I said, yeah. And, and he kind of looked this way and he looked that way and he said, okay, let's pray. <laughs> and I, I prayed with him. It's okay to pray with people in Walmart. Okay? They devoted themselves to prayer, it became a lifestyle for them. Fourth, they devoted themselves to breaking of bread. We're talking about the Lord's, the Lord's Supper, communion. At communion, I believe, we look four directions. Number one, we look back. We look back at his death and, and resurrection. We look forward to his coming. I love that part. We look inward. And we consider ourselves, not anybody else, we consider ourselves, how do I measure up with Jesus? It's not, how do I measure up with, with Eric over here? Or how do I, how do I measure up with, with this person over here? It's how do I measure up with Jesus? And you know what I found out? I'm not there. <laughs> and number four, outward. We partake together, we consider those around us, and we ask ourselves, how can we make our relationships closer with God and with each other? Number five, they devoted themselves to giving. All, all believers were getting together, they had everything in common, they gave to whatever the need was. They had great zeal of community and following Jesus. Jesus told the rich man, if you want to follow me, you've got to sell everything. 
Now, Scripture does not demand that you sell everything, period. But it does ask us very clearly that we give to the Lord's work. I believe in tithing. I believe in giving to the Lord's work. It's, it's, in other words, we're not to be more attached to possessions and goods than eternity and to God. Number six, they devoted themselves every day to meet together. I think this is a big one. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Not only are we to love one another deeply in the sanctuary of the, uh, of, of, uh, the worship center here, we are to love each other deeply in the parking lot. And we are to love each other deeply on the streets of our community. And we are to love each other deeply in whatever social aspect we're, we're in. We're to be hospitable. Our first church, Nancy and I pastored, it was small, it was hurt, very hurt, very suspicious. And after a, we, we knew that the first thing we had to do was bring healing to those people before we could do anything. And after several months, I suggested to the board that, we, that they pick somebody in the, in, in the church and they ask them over to their house for dinner. And my board looked at me and they went like this. Well, pastor, do you know if we invite people over to dinner... We're going to get to know them. And, and if we get to know them, we're, we're get to know their needs. And they, they had their arms crossed. And if we get to know their needs, we'll have the responsibility of helping them. We, we, don't, we don't want to do this. It's not what we hired you to do. Well, I put it on the table, and the next board meeting, I brought it up again. And, and guess what? They did it. I was so proud of those guys. Let me tell you what happened. It helped change the dynamics of our church. And something else happened because of that, which really blew my mind. And I should have seen this, but our offerings began to increase. You see, when people like each other, they give more. How many of you know that? When people don't like each other, they're kind of scrooges. <laughs> Number seven, and last, they devoted themselves to worship, praising God and enjoying favor of all. I believe worship is the adventure of your spirit seeking God. Worship is an adventure of your spirit seeking God. I, I believe when we praise God together, now this, this might be far-fetched for some, but it, this is just me. I believe when we praise God together in a room, we, we are aware of every, everyone else praising God together with us. And we're, we're aware of this guy over here singing tenor and this guy singing bass and, 
and this person too rose up, it's out of tune. We're aware of those things, but we're all praising God together, and we're enjoying it. But when we step into worship, we're not aware of those around us anymore. We're aware that we're in the very presence of a holy God, and our focus is holy upon him. We have crossed the divide and went into the most holy place. And my friends, that's where God wants us to land. That's where God wants us to be. So, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. You can start singing. His courts with praise. And when we come together corporately, we praise God in meeting together in giving and praise and song and in concert. And then the Bible says, and the Lord added. Now notice all their values flowed in a certain direction. And the Lord added. Get the mission. Make disciples was integrated in everything that they did. Making disciples was, was even integrated in their very values. And the early church introduced people to Jesus who transformed their lives, and the church grew 3,000 in one day. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't know what to do with 3,000 people in one day. <laughs> Talk about strategy. <laughs> but here's the challenge. How about you? Has Jesus transformed your life? Have you received him? In John 1.12, but to all who received him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Are you a child of God? Have you received him? I want everyone to bow your heads, please. One of my favorite verses at this time, God is speaking to a backslidden church. But I believe it's appropriate for anyone Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. I, I think it's so important that we grab this. Jesus wants to have fellowship with you. Jesus wants to come into your life and be part of your life. And as he's part of your life, you realize after a while that uh, you, you want to just turn everything over to him because he does really a magnificent job with leading our lives. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus. Or maybe you've gotten away from that and you say, Greg, I, I want to get back to Jesus. And this morning you want to do something about that. If that's you, can you just raise your hand real quick and say, that's me? Anyone? And I realize I'm probably preaching to the choir, but that's okay. Because I've learned that when I've done this, enough people in the church are beginning to do this with people on the streets. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you, Lord, while 
we looked at this chapter in Acts and the long introduction I gave. Lord, that we, we can understand what values are in our life. And they speak of very distinctly who we are. And Father, I pray as we move forward in this as, a, as individuals, that you will help them, Lord, if they do not know, that you will help them to find and discover and explore their own values. And Lord, that's what we're doing for, the, for, for our church this morning. So bless this time. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want everyone to take that sheet of paper. It's called Discovering Your Values. And if you're watching online, it is on the, the website, wlcchurch.com. Right on the homepage, you can't miss it. And you can download it there and, and go through this with, with everyone else. And what I want you to do is go down and take a pen, pencil. If you don't have one, there's some in the back. Um, and circle. Go through there and circle the ones that define you. Okay, don't, 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 don't circle all of them. <laughs> because that's not you. <laughs> But circle them, and, I, and then what the ones you circle, I want you to take the top five and write them down, okay? I want you to take the top five and write them down on that sheet of paper, and then I want you to turn them in when you're done doing that. Now, if you want, if, if you want a copy of it, like I said, it's on the website, or if you want a copy of what you've done, Take out your phone. Take a picture of it. How many of you got phones with cameras? Just about everybody. Take, take it out. Take a picture of it. And then you have it for yourself. But this, this one, we're not only helping you, but you are helping the church to figure out what are the values. What are the values of Woodland Life Center? So as the praise team sings... You can go through this. Sweetest of us, where my heart becomes. 
when, when you're done with the assessments, please put them on the tables. There's three tables in the back, and we, we will collect them from there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Greg. We, it is important for us to understand our core values as we are moving forward. What is it that we hold dear? What, is it, what are the things that we are most important to us? What will make us stand out here in Woodland Park? So as you're doing those, yeah, please get those turned in. Um, is, when you're finished, you're dismissed. And, uh, but we are just want to, I just want to thank Pastor Greg again for bringing this to us. Next week, we will be back in James. I know you thought you were off the hook, um, but James is still here. And so we'll continue in James, um, the end of chapter three and a little bit in the beginning of chapter four. But, uh, but let's close with a word of prayer and uh, let's thank God for this time together. Lord, it is good to be in your presence. It's been good to hear your word. It's been good to reflect about how the early church began, those uh, critical times, those seven points of, of what brought them together. And Lord, as we are thinking forward and thinking about our future, God, I thank you for how you've already instilled in us core values, helping us to discover them together, to be united in Christ in you. We give you praise already, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, and together we say, amen. Amen. It's been great to be together. God bless you. You're dismissed as you were finished with your core values.
heart is set upon one thing that I would ask to know you, Lord, as close as one could hope to on this earth. Your beauty, Lord, your glory.